Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Drivers! Start your engines! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect. When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to the Drafting the Circuits program. My name is Frank Santorowski, I'll be your host for the next hour or, or maybe more uh, as we do our special end of year show. Joining me in the studio tonight, Mr. Gray Warren and Mr. Richard Uden, Mr. Seth Eggert. Fellas, how we doing tonight? Doing good. Yeah, good, thank you. All right, so, well, tonight we'll close the book on the 2019 racing season, and then we'll all we'll take us a break from uh, bothering you on the radio once a week. <laughs> and, um, you know, but before we do that, we did have uh, one final Formula One race and then some, some big NASCAR news in, regarding some penalties and whatnot. So before we get into the, the, the year-end um, kind of breakdown and, and review, We'll go ahead and uh, let's let's talk about the Formula One race at the Yaz Marina in Abu Dhabi. Uh, Lewis Hamilton took another win. Uh, he's within he's within nine wins of Michael Schumacher's record now, right, Richard? It's getting pretty close, isn't it? Now it was a pretty pretty dominating performance by uh, Hamilton, the Mercedes team there uh, this last weekend. Um, yeah, I mean, what more can you say, really? It was, uh, yeah, it's pretty impressive and, and kept off another another outstanding season for the for Silver Arrows there. Um, really, nobody could get close to him throughout the race. Um, you know, he, his teammate had a engine change and was was uh, starting from the back of the grid, so nobody really, you know, there was no pressure from within the camp. Uh, Ferrari uh, and uh, Red Bull weren't really at the races, literally. Um, Ferrari had a, an issue with Charles Leclerc's car pre-race. The uh, the weight that uh, Ferrari, the FAA measured the car differed from the weight that uh, Ferrari declared the car, basically the amount of fuel that was in the car. Uh, that uh, there was no penalty applied to the driver in the, there, but there was a fine for the team of fifty thousand euro, I believe. So so not an inconsiderable. Fine, there's a bit of going back and forth there, whether uh, it actually really did happen. I'm sure that one won't uh, won't go away anytime soon. But um, if Mercedes were trying out parts for uh, 2020, then, uh, yeah, that's going to scare a few of their rivals. <laughs> Certainly, <laughs> they yeah. yeah. They were, they were and pretty also, darn good. You know, they, there's an anomaly, typically, with Abu Dhabi. 
um, in that uh, on the Tuesday and Wednesday post WWE, there's a Pirelli tyre test for 2020. Um, and typically the rules are that the cars used in that test have to be the same specification of cars that raced um, during the Abu Dhabi weekend. So a lot of the cars for the race actually had extra sensors on and extra, you know, little bits and pieces there to uh, to help gather the data on the Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. Uh, so so actually, in a way, technically, that will probably slow the cars down just a little bit. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, it was a pretty... Pretty damn impressive, uh, impressive performance by uh, by Mercedes this last weekend. Yeah, absolutely. So that that closes the book on Formula One for the year. Um, yeah. uh, I, I'd imagine next year we're looking for not a, a ton of changes because we've got new uh, new rules in place. We talked about this a little bit last week. How it's mm-hmm. almost almost a bit of a lame duck season. So I, I really think that that um, you know Michael Schumacher's records are in serious uh, danger of being broken by Lewis, mm-hmm. Lewis Hamilton uh, within the next year. Um, so Yeah, but, for sure. Yeah, I mean, because he's, <laughs> he's, he's right nine wins behind. He's um, had more than ten wins the past he, couple of seasons. So Yeah, I mean, barring some, you know, incident, you know, some set of circumstances we really don't want to consider, um, he, he's looking pretty pretty set to, to achieve those goals. Um you know, you, you've got to give credit to the guy. He he just keeps upping that level of performance, that level of consistency. And and, and I've mentioned on the show before, I think that's where he sets himself above the other guys. You know, probably over a single lap, you know, potentially is he as fast as Verstappen or Vettel or even Leclerc and guys? Probably not. It's just the guy just does it, you know, lap after lap after lap after lap. And, and doesn't really make huge mistakes uh, in the same way that, um, you know, some of his rivals do. You know, Vettel will have an off weekend. Verstappen will have an off Leclerc will have an off weekend. Bottas will have an off weekend. Hamilton just genuinely doesn't seem to have those. And, you know, there's a lot about his change, his lifestyle. I mean, I think he's vegan now and all these sort of things. And he's, you know, really pushing himself to the limit to, to eke out every last ounce of performance from himself. And it's uh, it's certainly showing, um, and you, you know you. It's very easy to knock people when they're at the top of the top of their profession in the public eye, but um, you know in the cold light of day, you've really got to take your hat off to this guy. And you know you, you're seeing a generational driver here. He's um, he's pretty damn impressive. Certainly, certainly. Now Seth Gray, we had uh, after the you know all the dust has settled from the uh, championship weekend. Uh, at Homestead for the NASCAR set, uh, there were some penalties that came out um, where some folks were accused of uh, manipulating the final standings. And this is not at the at the top of the grid. This is this is towards the back. So, uh, so when you guys uh, jump in and fill us in as to what happened and and uh, how how they got caught and what the fines and penalties were. Well, it was Premium Motorsports, Rick Ware Racing, and Gaunt Brothers uh, Racing that were all involved. Gaunt Brothers was the team that was essentially affected by the other two teams manipulating the results. Not only was it at Homestead, it also goes back to Phoenix, although the penalty only applies at Homestead. Uh, Premium Motorsports, which fields the number 15, which has a charter, the number 27, which doesn't have a charter. They essentially field the 77 for Spire Motorsports because Spire rents the car from premium. And Rick Ware Racing's 52 uh, car, which 
also has a charter. They were all penalized 50 owner points, $50,000 fine to the competition directors, the team owners, and the competition directors have been suspended indefinitely. What happened at Homestead was Joe Nemechek, uh, the competition director for Premium Motorsports, which is Scott Eggleston, I believe. Yes, Scott Eggleston. Uh, came on the radio and told uh, Joe Nemechek that he had a power steering problem, that he should go to the garage. Nemechek obeyed the order. He then went on to the Spire Motorsports uh, radio and tried to tell Reed Sorensen the same thing. Reed ignored the order for several laps before finally parking. Then Rick Ware Racing's 52 inexplicit, inexplicit, for no reason. It's <laughs> <laughs> a hard word to say, Fine. inexplicably. Yes, thank you. Uh, for no reason uh, all of which benefited the number 27 for premium gaining them one extra point which put them one point ahead of Gaunt Brothers Racing in the owner points the, both the 27 and the 96 do not have a charter the best non-charter team gets somewhere between 55 and 60% of the unclaimed purse money so that's when there's short fields or fields between 36 and 40 cards. That unclaimed purse money this year for the top chartered team was estimated between $1 million and $1.15 million. The second place non-chartered team gets between two hundred dollars and $400,000. So essentially, Premium Motorsports was trying to rig the to gain an extra seven hundred to nine hundred thousand dollars, but they got caught. They got caught, and now and and, and, it, and it wasn't right after the race. It was it was a week yeah. later. I mean, so how did, well, how did how did this come up about? Somebody had mentioned it on. It, what happened was Gaunt Brothers uh, immediately appealed uh, and protested the finish to NASCAR, and this was within. I think a half hour to an hour after the race had ended. On top of that, there were people on the NASCAR Reddit page who connected the dots and people who had recordings of the premium radio and the Spire radio that came forward. So after 10 days of investigation, NASCAR dropped the hammer. Well, we won't see anybody try that again, will we? <laughs> so. Well, not that blatantly anyway. Not that blatantly, yeah. So that, that's really interesting because a lot of times when you hear about these penalties, these guys in the front of the field. Um, but this really, I mean, it's it's a huge difference in, in purse money, like you said, from the, the top, top non-charter card to the second. So, yeah, it's really would have benefited them quite a bit for funding for next season had they got away with it. So Exactly. Uh, especially where in today's NASCAR, they estimate that a full season, you need about $30 million worth of sponsorship. Gump Brothers only runs about half the season as of right now. That 
one to one point one five million dollars could equate to them running an extra two races next year. Oh, certainly, yeah. So now, now is Gaunt Brothers getting that money now? Did, did they were they given they, that position back? They they were given that position back because of the owner points penalties to Premium and Rick Ware Racing. They were behind by one point. Now they're ahead by forty nine. So they are now the best non-charter team, which means they will get that bonus money. Well, good for them. Yeah, I guess uh, really was to, the, to their benefit to make a protest. So, so uh, hopefully that helps them out next year. Or so, uh, but anyway, so and and the other odd bit of NASCAR news is that uh, I'm hearing Kyle Busch has been wrestling. Yes, uh, Kyle Busch uh, the other night. One, that's in quotes, the WWE 24-7 championship after after an assist from Michael Waltrip, who was a referee, and pinning R-Truth, a.k.a. Ron Killings. You mean it could be fake? (laughs) Well, I mean, the the, the irony... The irony is not lost on me that some folks claim that the uh, you know NASCAR with its gimmicks and whatnot resembles the WWE, and now suddenly we have uh, Kyle Busch in the wrestling ring uh, winning a belt and then losing Lucy it right, losing it right away. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, it just just kind of a funny publicity stunt there, but uh, yeah, kind of um, you know when I was flipping through social media and I said Kyle Busch wins WWE championship, I'm like, what? What did I miss here? So that's crazy, wacky stuff. So speaking of Kyle Busch, let's talk about our bold predictions from last year. Now, Seth, your prediction was that the championship four would be four different drivers than it was in 2018. Now, three of them were the same, so your prediction did not come true. However, Denny Hamlin um, was in there. Now, Gray's bold prediction was in sharp contrast to yours, and Gray's prediction was honestly not quite as bold as yours was, but Gray predicted that the the top three, the big three, being Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex Jr., would continue business as usual and continue to dominate the sport. Now, uh, Gray, yeah, you called that one. Um, Seth, uh, you uh, there were some guys out there that uh, really had a, had a shot at getting into the into there that would have been new guys you know chase elliott did well and we had some other guys so let's uh let's let's talk about the um your predictions and um and how that how that uh, all worked out there start with you gray well i mean really basically when you look at the teams that they that they represent i mean you still those those teams are still the cream of the crop i mean you've got penske in there too uh in uh you know I would have thought one of the Penske cars would have uh, would have returned to the uh, to the to the final four, but you know just a little bit of luck here and there would, would have, could have turned that around. But honestly, when you look at Stuart Haas, uh, Joe Gibbs, and uh, you know you look at they they're the right now they're the top they're the top of the heap, and and uh, so that's why you're going to see. Uh, see those guys prevail each week. I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer. And until until another team can come around and show that they can that they can challenge them on a, on a weekly basis, uh, 
this it's going to remain the same. Those guys are yeah. at the forefront of what they do. And Martin Truax Jr. moving from Furniture Row to Gibbs was absolutely seamless. I know he he brought some personnel along, uh, but I mean he has not lost a step at all. He's still well right you up gotta there. Re- yeah, you you got to remember. I mean he brought his he brought his brought his crew chief along who who they've worked together for several years. And you got to remember that you know the the seventy eight was a satellite operation of Joe Gibbs to an extent. They were they were under that wing. They were getting their you know getting their chassis and things from them anyway. So. Obviously, it was, you know, I look for it to be a seamless, uh, a seamless jump. I mean, really, a whole, not a whole lot was changing other really than than locale. Um, right. Locale you know, and the car uh, number. Yeah, that's about it. This, you know, this, this, you know, they took the seat out to 78 and put it put it in the 19 and it, uh, and it and it did pretty well, you know. So, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't too I wasn't surprised at all. that I, I figured they would they would. Uh, they would hit the ground running and uh, and and do well. I thought Harvick was a little bit of a slow starter this year. Always in the mix, but you know didn't couldn't pull out couldn't pull out the win, you know, and lead the laps that he he has in the past. But still had gr- terrific consistency that enabled him to to kind of stay in that top four top five spot, you know, just about all year long. Um, I thought it was a little surprising that the, that the Penske cars uh, seemed at times to lack the speed, to weren't able to match the speed that the that the other teams were, but still good. I mean, a decent year for those guys, but didn't, but nothing, uh, you know, nothing dominating. You know, where we where you thought uh, those those guys could really uh, at, at certain tracks could really uh, come to the forefront, but uh, yeah. Uh, Kind of, kind of went. The season kind of went like I thought it would go. Uh, you know, with with Joe Gibbs and Stuart Haas. Uh, where really, you know, the the top three teams still, still, you know, dominating sport. Now, Seth, your prediction was the opposite of Gray's that we'd have four new drivers in the, in the championship four. Now, who, who were you looking for those four drivers to be? And and I mean, did. Yeah, I, I guess who disappointed you this year, <laughs> you know? So uh, who well, let who let you down? Well, one of the drivers I had pegged for the championship for was Denny Hamlin. So that one, he lived up to my expectations there. Uh, honestly, I was expecting Brad Keselowski or Ryan Blaney to get in, uh, so, which Blaney he did not have that good of a season. He was kind of Team Penske was essentially Joey and Brad, and then, oh, yeah, we have Ryan Blaney as well. That's the way the season felt for me for Team Penske. Uh, I kind of expected one of the Chevys to get into the Final Four, whether it was Larson or Chase Elliott or even Kurt Busch for that matter. They seemed to be getting their act together at some tracks, but they didn't have the sustainability to run up front Week in and week out, they would have three, four, five good weeks in a row and then fall off the face of the earth. And then they would come back and then they would fall off the face of the earth. It was the story of inconsistency, essentially, for Chevrolet. Otherwise, I would have to say the biggest disappointment I had this year after his success last year was Clint Boyer. Uh, Yeah, Clint was kind of nowhere all year long. 
It, it was almost reminiscent of his first season with Stuart Haas Racing, in which nothing went his way. He was in absence left and right. He would have good runs and then have a loose wheel or run out of gas or have some sort of engine problem. Yeah, it just seems like, and, and you know, and, and I could draw a parallel to IndyCar that that some some teams just do better with with spreading the wealth amongst multiple teams than others. You know, like like if you look at say uh, you know Team Penske, right? Like you had said that um, like Blaney's an afterthought, and 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 Joey and Brad run at the front. However, in IndyCar, it, you know Penske's got three guys and they all win. Um, but if you look at um, Joe Gibbs, all all his guys do well. Uh, but uh, Stuart Haas seemed to have not figured out the multi-car dynamic quite as well as as Gibbs, and they've had you know. You know, on and off seasons where they've had more more than one of their cars do well, but uh, it's it's just like Harvick and then the other guys. And you know, Amarola had a decent season, um, but uh, Clint was nowhere to be found. And you know, the years they ran Danica, she was just an afterthought as well. So now, someone I will say that did impress me this year, uh, Ryan Newman in the Roush Fenway car. That had to be one of the best seasons the six cars had since Mark Martin drove the six over a decade ago, even though he didn't reach victory lane. And he nearly did. He almost had a win in one of the races, I recall. He had a really good run. Caldega, uh, uh, he had the photo finish with Blaney. Right, right. Yep, that's where that's that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, Newman, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's not done yet, is he? No, he's not, and he's still hard to pass. Uh, Alex Bowman... Uh, ha- had some good races, had some good runs. Otherwise, looking down at the back half of the field, the main driver that I would say impressed me all year long was uh, Matty Bandetto. Uh, granted, yes, the 95 is aligned with to- uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. However, it is not the same kind of alignment that Furniture Row Racing had. And it is not, and I stress this, it is not going to be the same kind of alignment that it has next year as it moves closer to a Furniture Row Racing-esque alignment. So his runs, he had several top fives, several top tens. He broke his own record for a single season top five and top ten, had a best career finish a second, uh, was knocking on the door for a win in several races, whether it was the Daytona 500, whether it was Bristol, until he got caught up in someone else's mess or couldn't pass Newman cleanly because it's Newman, uh, and something happened. Now, is moving on next year. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Spring training is right around the corner. So come for the games and have a ball in Arizona. With world-class resorts, unbeatable dining and nightlife, amazing scenery, 
and endless outdoor adventure. Make your visit unforgettable. Plan your getaway at myspringtraining.com. Right, he's yes, he's moving to replace uh, Paul Menard in the twenty-one. That's right. Yeah, that's that's going to be a pretty good ride for him because um, they're they're aligned with Penske, and uh, that should be a great opportunity for a, for a really good driver. I agree, and honestly, I I want to say the twenty-one this year with Paul Menard has almost been on par with Blaney in the sense that it's all an afterthought. Because, granted, Paul is a very consistent driver, but he was never really up front, and a few times he was, it was like, oh, he had a nice run today. It was just like, oh, yeah, he's here type deal. And, <laughs> and uh, Menard, of course, is uh, retiring at the yes. end, or he's retired now, I guess, at the end of the season. So uh, He's retired from full-time competition. Right, which means we may see him here and there, but I, I think he's going to take a bigger role on in the, in the family business. Which and we know, you know, Menards is a uh, it's a huge, huge retailer, and it's it's, it's worth quite a bit of money. So, uh, um, so uh, good luck to Paul Menard as he spends time with his family and spends time with the family business. And, so. and David Reagan as well. David Reagan as well. Yep. Now we'll, we'll circle back to NASCAR later in the program. We've got a long show, but I want to um, I want to get. Joey Barnes's bold predictions out of the way because Joey's not with us tonight. He's a uh, Joey's taking on a job as an editor for uh, Racer Magazine, which is it's, it, honestly it keeps him busy. So he hadn't been able to join us uh, too much this week. But if you recall, at the end of last year when we did our bold predictions, Joey thought he'd be extra bold and make three predictions. So this is what these were Joey's predictions. Okay, uh, Marco Andretti wins the Indy 500. Juan Pablo Montoya wins Le Mans. And Kimi Raikkonen gets a podium with Alfa Romeo. So, <clears throat> no, no, and no. Uh, those were Joey's predictions. So let's move on to Richard's. Now, Richard, your prediction was halfway true. Oh, you, oh boy. You said, you said Charles Leclerc would beat Sebastian Vettel. She did. And he did. And then you said Vettel would move on to Mercedes and join Lewis Hamilton. Now... Mm-hmm. Okay. Cer- certainly, Leclerc did b- beat Vettel uh, in, in a big way, uh, but all the, the all the talk right now is that uh, Vettel's staying put. Uh, as recently as yesterday, Vettel said, "Yes, I'll be in a Ferrari next year unless I break both my legs." So, so yeah. it seems like he's planning on staying put. He's not uh, not running away from the guy that's better than him. But let's uh, let's talk a little bit about about your prediction and and Charles Leclerc's season because uh, the kid was phenomenal. We, you know, we, we we knew he had talent, but put him in a good car, and my gosh. Oh, I mean, he he did everything you know you could ever expect, plus some, didn't he? You know. He's been committed. He hasn't made, you know, he's made the odd mistake, but that's to be expected for a kid of uh, kid of his uh, kid of his age. Um, and you know, you you just look at it, the poise, the way he talks in media, the the way he carries himself. I mean, the kid's the future of Ferrari in many many ways. And you know, no, no matter what happened, I'm sure Seb is looking over his shoulder at some point. Um, obviously, the end of the end of 2020 going into 2021 is when the the Potentially, there's a big shakeup in the driver market, so it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, where where everybody's cars fall in in 12 months' time. But um, I mean, you, you look at Formula One, and I was thinking about this the other day. 
you know, you look at some of the young drivers that are in there, and there's this this wealth of talent. Um, you know, even just moving away a little bit from from Leclerc, you look at the three rookies that have come through this year. Um, they've all been phenomenal, in my opinion. You know, Lando Norris, Alex Albon, and, and George Russell. All of them have, have driven phenomenally well. Um, you, you know, you you can't question any of them really. You know, sometimes you get the odd guy that comes through and is a bit. And I guess Giovinazzi was a, a rookie. I, I think he'd done a couple of races before, a couple of tests before in the past. I'm not 100% certain of his background, but but certainly that you know the three, the main three guys have been phenomenal, really. And yeah, now, didn't, um, didn't I hear that uh, during the testing today uh, that uh, George Russell was in the McLaren? Uh, oh, he was, he was, he was in, in the Mercedes. Mercedes. He was in the Mercedes rather, and and yes. he, he led, led the session. So which. Goes to show that uh, yes, number one, that is a oh, very yeah. good I mean, car, but, is, but he uh, uh, he did really well in the, in the Mercedes. Yeah, the, the guy is talented, and you know, and this is very, and also I think another you know shout out if you like for you know unsung hero of the year if you like, you know, huge amount of credit has to go to Robert Kubica. Um, you know, yes, his performances and the performances of the team certainly have been below what um, he'd hoped and what uh, you know many of the fans would have hoped. But when you consider what this guy went through and the horrific injuries that he suffered, you know, relatively short time ago, um, to come back and to be competing and to be at the level that he's been at is phenomenal. It, it truly is. It's a it's an inspirational story, and and uh, he deserves all the credit in the world he gets. And unfortunately, they say the car hasn't been able to perform and, and match that um, that ability there. But, uh, you know, people will criticise him and people will knock him because of the performance of the car. But, you know, for what he's done, he deserves as much credit as, as anybody in the grid. Oh, really does. I think he's done fantastically well. Certainly, yeah. And then now he's, he's moving on to, I think, um, Racing Point as the reserve driver. Rumour has it, yeah. Yeah, yeah rumour has it. Well, I thought that was official. I thought I had read that. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe not quite yet official, but uh, I guess that's that's the strongest landing point for him anyway. That's being uh, mentioned in the yeah, media. Yeah, Haas and uh, Racing Point are being being discussed there now. I think part of what he wanted was he wanted uh, you know Friday test seat time, whereas um, uh, what should we say? How do you say um, Haas were prepared to give that to him? Um, so we'll, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that works out. Hopefully he's still around, you know, it, uh, he deserves to be and, um, yeah, good luck to him. Yeah, absolutely. Good luck to him. Yeah. So now we'll move on to my bold prediction. Now my bold prediction was that, uh, McLaren would come to the Indy 500 on their own with the Chevrolet engine and then Fernando Alonso would get bumped from the field. Now that was, that, <laughs> that was pretty bold and that one came true. Um, but it, it did make for, I mean, one of the most dramatic moments I can recall in recent bump day history. You know, we haven't really had a lot of bump days over the last several years, but to see um, young Kyle Kaiser in the Yunkos car after they destroyed their primary car um, and they had to re- rebuild that, that, that backup and build that backup into a car that could get on the track. Um, and then we had the, you know, the whole last row shootout was, uh, was new for this year. Um, 
So we had uh, what, five drivers going for three spots. Um, Hinchcliffe uh, got himself in. Sage Karam got himself in. Um, and then we saw a ward get bumped out. And um, oh, uh, was it uh, Max Chilton was the other guy got bumped out. Uh, and Alonzo gets in. Kyle Kaiser goes out there. Last run of the day. Bumps Alonzo out. Um, I mean, you can't write a better script. And then, But then the sad thing is, after all this happened, Yukos Racing was nowhere to be found the rest of the year. You know, they... they they, they started in, in Texas, they ran at Indy, and no funding, no funding for the rest of the year. I don't know if they'll be back next year or not. Uh, you know, they still got their lights programs, they still got their sports car programs, but, uh, uh, you know, they're just kind of out there missing until they, they get some funding, and I have not heard any word on their 2020 plans in IndyCar, um, which is sad because Ricardo Yukos is a heck of a team owner. Um, and, uh, you know, he's had a lot of success in the, in the junior series and in, in, in Europe and in the United States. So it's, uh, be, be interesting to see what happens there. Now, now beyond that, now Alonzo, of course, left with his, you know, tail between his legs. Now he's publicly stated that, uh, he's, he's like to, uh, like to try again. Obviously he's, they may be holding a spot for him at, uh, McLaren Schmidt-Peterson, Arrow McLaren Schmidt-Peterson. And there's some talk that he's uh, talking with Michael Andretti as well, and Andretti would be happy to have him back. He ran very well for them in 2017. So we'll just have to see all that plays out. But at the same time, um, Juan Montoya running the sports cars, all, all Juan needs is that Lamont's win, and a Lamont class win will, will work um, to, to see who gets that uh, that unofficial triple crown first. So, uh that's uh that that was my prediction. So let's uh, let's talk about some of the um the bigger stories of the year. Um, so like Gray, in your mind, what was the, what was the biggest story of the year in NASCAR? Gosh, um, I think uh, it kind of uh, kind of changed, but I think I think it was to me. Some people are going to say that, that probably Jimmy Johnson's announcement that next year is going to be his last kind of kind of it was late in the year when he did it. But I think that probably is one of the bigger stories. I, I, I Not surprising. I kind of figured he would he would not extend his his current contract uh, beyond 2020. But uh, I thought that was big news. Uh, but I don't you know, not anything. I, I, I just can't. Is more of a business as usual kind of kind of season, uh, you know. Still the ups and downs that we've uh, that we've seen for the last couple of years. NASCAR struggling with attendance at some tracks and TV viewership at at, at, at some races. Uh, still got to uh, got some work to do there. Uh, uh, the rules package still. Um, you know, still a still a work in work in progress. I think you'd have to say had 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 it had its moments. Had some had some deep, pretty decent races during the course of the year. But I mean, I don't think there was really one earth shattering 
moment. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Spring training is right around the corner. So come for the games and have a ball in Arizona. With world-class resorts, unbeatable dining and nightlife, amazing scenery, and endless outdoor adventure. Make your visit unforgettable. Plan your getaway at myspringtraining.com. That I can really pick out throughout the season. All right, now fair enough. Now, Richard, speaking of Formula One this past year, we've got a, got a long, long season. We had some really good races. Uh, I mean, what uh, of the races we've had this year? And I know it's it's hard to remember because there's so many of them, and you're getting old. You're getting up there. Uh, but what's <laughs> does one of those races just stick out to you as wow, that was brilliant, that was great to watch? I think there's two that were probably well, two or three. Uh, I think just for the sheer excitement and nobody knows what was going, who's going to win the race. I think yeah, yeah, the German Grand Prix at Hockenheim was was pretty spectacular in the rain there. I mean, it was um, you know anybody could have won that race at any given moment. Um, it was it was massive there. Um, the actual, I thought the drive of the year was Hamilton in Hungary when he pitted early to, to, to get off strategy and uh, managed to uh, beat Verstappen there. I thought that was pretty phenomenal drive by Hamilton there to, to achieve that. And then also the Brazilian Grand Prix was, um, you know, another exciting race there that was uh, lots of backwards and forwards and, uh, you know, people challenging each other for the lead and, uh, you know, Max getting that win that he, he deserved really after... Uh, uh, after the issues that he had uh, the previous year with 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 Ocon, but I think the and unfortunately not for the right reasons. I think the race that probably sticks in my mind most is, is Spa. You know, the, to to race day after uh, Antoine Hubert's fatal accident was was was, was difficult. Um, you know, it, it brought the uh, sport back to back to earth quite aggressively, unfortunately, and uh, it was um, you know it was very difficult to see that in you know Charles Leclerc's first race victory unfortunately overshadowed by that accident that those two were very close and very good friends um but uh yeah that was terrible uh that, that, that was probably the the most um not enjoyable but certainly the the biggest story of the year in formula one and the uh the most poignant moment i think that we had in the sport in a long long time right and we also along the way we lost charlie whiting and we lost uh the great nicky lauda yes. of course so there were uh a couple of uh uh, really high-profile names there in, in Formula One, particularly Nicky Lauda, who's uh, uh, yeah. Know, he's, um, and because I've I've always been a huge fan of Lauda, I just love his oh, just his tell it like it is kind of attitude, you know. And 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 it's just, <laughs> and, and, and who cares? And and I and I, I'm the best. I'm better than you. And and I don't care if you like me or not. Uh, Lauda was a very very special individual, and um, I don't know. He had a lot to do with the success of the. Of the of the, the current Mercedes team. But uh, yeah, that's a guy that yeah. Um, yeah, gone, gone too soon, gone too soon. Yeah. 
So, um, other very much, very much so. Now, uh, Seth, for you, well, let, let's talk about the the truck and Xfinity um, for a bit. Um, what's, what, what what were some of the compelling uh, storylines of this past year in truck and Xfinity? Well, in the truck series, I have to say Ross Chastain uh, making the bold move mid-season to switch from earning Xfinity points to earning Truck Series points, getting the waiver, uh, and to make the playoffs and not only make the playoffs, but make it to Homestead and compete for a championship. uh, That might have been one of the most impressive drives I've seen in recent years. Uh, he started with zero points, first race driving four truck points. He wins and gets disqualified, uh, just putting him in a deeper hole, and he's able to go out, win a couple races, easily make the playoffs, and almost win a championship running technically half a season because by the time he declared for truck points and he won most popular driver for the truck series this year. Um, in the Xfinity series, I'd have to say the emergence of the big three there, Cole Custer, Christopher Bell, and Tyler Reddick, uh, between the three of them, I think they won all but four races this year, maybe five. So, uh, that's and when I say that I mean excluding the cup drivers, but still that is pretty impressive nonetheless. Certainly. So yeah, so now I'll I'll talk about the IndyCar series a little bit. Obviously, you know, the biggest news story coming out of the IndyCar series is the purchase of the Speedway and the series by Roger Penske. And that, that has an overarching effect that, that will affect NASCAR as well, since uh, they run at the Speedway, and it could affect Formula One, uh, seeing as how it, it's, it's looking more and more likely that, that Miami Grand Prix is going to fall through thanks to local opposition. Uh, but Roger Penske's sitting on a uh, you know turnkey-ready solution for a second U.S. Grand Prix where they've hosted uh, Formula One before, and he's very open to the idea um, and, uh, you know, as, as long as everybody forgets the whole Michelin debacle from several years ago, I, I had a good time the couple of times I went to the Grand Prix at, um, at Indianapolis. I think it's a, it's a, it's a decent course. Um, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not on the level of some of the, you know, it's like Coda, um, which is, you know, much longer course, but, uh, for, you know, historical, uh, the viewpoint and just a facility that can that can pack in a lot of people and have a lot of amenities. I I, I don't think you know Formula One should look any further than doing business with Roger. Um, the other the other news story that uh, was really nice coming out of IndyCar this year uh, through the season. You know, obviously, um, you know Simon had a great year with uh, sweep at Indianapolis. Joseph had a, a good year uh, with winning the championship. Um, Rossi had a pretty good year, finishing runner-up there. But uh, young Colton Herta, as a rookie, won a couple of races this year, um, and he's he's you know on a smaller team. Although they had some uh, an assist from Andretti, he'll go to a full Andretti car next year. As uh, Andretti has kind of has uh, absorbed the whole of uh, the whole team of the Harding Steinbrenner. 
um, into their organization. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how Colton does in in the future. I think he's here's a guy that, uh, given a little more equal equipment, there can give uh, Ryan Hunter Ray and uh, Rossi a little bit of a run for their money, and we'll see. You know, see how that goes. But uh, he's one of the most exciting rookies uh, in in the series in, in years, um, and and that's. You know, we had some pretty darn good rookies this year in Felix Rosenqvist, who almost won a race. Uh, Santino Ferrucci, who was incredibly um, consistent um, and, and pulled off some, some great moves at Indianapolis and again at Pocono to uh, kind of keep the car on, on the track and stay out of the melee. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens next year. The, the McLaren team is, you know, dominating the headlines, as is the, the new aero screen. Um, which is set to go. It'll be on all the cars. I've seen, uh, I've seen a lot of merchandise now. Um, particularly, they've got uh, T-shirts for the, the or a new logo for the Grand Prix of Alabama, where you see the car and the logo now has the um, the windscreen on it. You know the arrow, the you know Red Bull Technology windscreen. So, um, I think it's going to be an interesting season. There's still some couple of seats up in the air, and there's a lot of folks that are disappointed with. Um, you know, Sebastian Bourdais and um, James Hinchcliffe being out of a ride. Um, this, I mean, it's uh, Bourdais is gone from the series for this year for sure. He's doing a full season of IMSA. We'll probably see him in Indy. Hinchcliffe is still trying to put something together. There is a possibility he takes that coin seat, but uh, coin's looking for more coin. Um, there's a couple of uh, European racers who are on his radar as well. So with that being said, Gray, let's uh, talk a little bit about um, the road course races um, in NASCAR this year. I, I thought that the um, we've got a lot of uh, uh, different kind of things here with um, with aero packages at different tracks, but it seems like just whenever we have a road course race, uh, they, they they tend to put on a show. And now there's some word that NASCAR may be looking at a, a street race somewhere. Yeah, possibly with the with the new car. Uh, in 2021, probably, um, uh, it's hard to say what, what they would do. Again, I think basically NASCAR is going to encounter the same uh, same hurdles that um, IndyCar has when you when you get a promoter go in and he has to try to deal with um, um, you know local. Uh, bureaucracy and things. See, NASCAR basically deals with really two ownership groups when it comes to, to, to the tracks that they go. Uh, Bruton Smith and Speedway Motorsports, and then obviously International Speedway Corporation, which is essentially a NASCAR company as well. So really, they don't have to, you know, in, in, in their own circuits and things, they, 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 they do that. Whoever's going to promote uh, these things is going to be a whole different uh Bit, uh, whole different ball of uh, can of worms. Uh, let me let me put it that way. Uh, yeah. uh, if if so, go ahead, Seth. I know you. Uh, you, you yeah. Uh, first off, uh, International Speedway Corporation. At least it was in the process. It's it's now officially been merged back into NASCAR. So yeah. really, they're only dealing with Bruton Smith at uh, Speedway Motorsports. They deal with the Mattiolis at Pocono, okay. mm-hmm. uh, Dover Motorsports at, well, Dover. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, the only other one that they deal with now is Roger Penske at Indy. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Which, again, Roger owning IndyCar opens up the possibility of NASCAR joining IndyCar at one of their street course races, whether it's St. Petersburg, whether it's Long Beach, or elsewhere. Yeah, see, that, that's yeah. more of a, it, it, a turnkey solution. Because yeah, and it could be a... The double header that we've talked about for, for years could. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a whirl. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Could could possibly uh, could possibly come along, but that's going to have to be a a a solid relationship. It won't be some. I don't I don't see a new group coming in, a new uh, promoter group coming in and trying to set up something because I think they'll 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 have the same hurdles that uh, that uh, IndyCar finds when they try to go to. You know, uh, places like Baltimore and, well, yeah, you know, Boston of course, the ill fated yeah. Boston yeah. thing. The, other, the problem with a street, street uh, race, think, right, this day and age, in today's current climate, is getting it off the ground. Uh, if, if you look at the street right. races that are successful now, they've all been around forever. You're talking, you know, Long Beach, right. Detroit, Monaco, um, St. Pete. St. Pete's 15 well, years in now, uh, but, but, Detroit's essentially right, yeah, it's, and, that yeah, Penske they, had, and Penske had a lot to do with with that with with security. And even then, they, they get a lot of opposition now. People don't like the the island being taken up for tourists for for so exactly. long. So they've had to do a lot of make a lot of concessions in the particularly in the setup and breakdown time. Um, and let's talk about one of the things one of the things you know, with NASCAR looking at going to a street race the. The new car will be a, a stark departure from the current style race car. It's going to be, you know, it's going to have rack and pinion steering, uh, transaxle, uh, possibly a little bit more nimble race car, which remains to be seen. But if you, but if you, if you put two and two together with what with what they're looking at, it appears to be. I would think it'll be a little bit more nimble a, a car, particularly. A uh, way you could probably run it on a uh, on, on a street uh, street course, uh, you know, a little bit tighter uh, tighter facility. Uh, we'll just have to see. It, it, it may be the new car may be more conducive to a street type circuit, so that might be one of the reasons they're kind of looking at. And two, NASCAR is looking at the different venues and to to bring it to different audiences. And and like I said, it's but but Frank, I think you hit on something. It's going to have to go to an established uh, uh, street venue that's had a long history of, of success bringing in IndyCar or, or to to that or or other, or other uh, series in in that to make certainly, it work. Certainly, 
if if I may, this would also be replacing a current race on the schedule because they are not going to expand the schedule. That being said, the schedule they're also talking about shortening. However, that doesn't exactly mean going from, say, 36 races to 30 races. It could mean going from 36 or 38 race weekends to 30 in which we have more doubleheader weekends like how we will at Pocono next yeah, season. Yeah, I think that Pocono is, is going to be an interesting experiment to see how it works. Uh, you know, and, and they've done some other kind of things to kind of shorten some of the race weekends, like uh, like Martinsville, where they got the qualifying and the race on the same day. Um, you know, they do away with Friday. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, those guys are on the road a lot, a long time. Uh, but, they're, uh, again, if you look at some of the um, – you know the the butts not in seats right now. It may be time to consider that that some of these venues don't need two dates. You know, and I hate to say it, you know, uh, Bristol is their spring race is is it looks desolate. I know I know that the facility is huge, but if they um, you know did the did the, the one date um, you know with under the lights and promoted the heck out of it and they could fill it up, it, it might be. You know, open up a date for somewhere else. I don't know. It's like these these tracks have had two dates for years just because they've had two dates for years. And uh, it was about what twenty years ago they started taking second dates away from tracks. Uh, give or take, it was about years, twenty started, years they ago. They started to really uh, switch up the schedule. Then we've had this basic so, schedule since about what twenty since since they added Kentucky, really, right? Twenty twenty twelve, which was two thousand eleven. Two thousand eleven. Uh, yeah. Uh, on top of that, I will say there are some tracks that have openly acknowledged the possibility of losing one date and possibly following Pocono's model, uh, which would be Dover, Michigan. Uh, those are the two that come to mind at first. There's a lot of talk of Gateway possibly being added to the schedule, Iowa, uh, Road America and or Mid-Ohio, along with a possible different road course, uh, which would either be Coda or po- uh, Portland, which would be interesting, to say the least, especially considering Eddie Gossage would, uh, I think, explode if uh, NASCAR went to Coda, but he, that's another yes, story altogether. Would. Yes, he already is mad at IndyCar for going there, but uh, yeah, yeah. Good old Eddie. Well, he needs he needs to get mad about some other things based on what I saw uh, uh, last time they had a race at Texas. Uh, that the crowd there um, was uh, pitiful, and he needs if he's going to get mad, he needs to go look in the mirror and see what he can figure out to uh, to 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 make his thing work. You know, there because I tell you what, the Texas race. Uh, just a couple of just a month or so back, it was was not well attended, and uh, that that was startling to me. Yeah, that's to why see, he blamed uh, it on the Formula One race being the same day. You know, but well, but, but again, yeah. yeah. You know, so it, yeah, he's got to. You get yeah. Worry about you. Worry about getting people to your own track at, right now, and 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 what you can do for that for that uh, setup. I mean, if you if you've got a good product. You know, give the people a choice, and if your choice is better than the other, then they'll come. They'll come see your. Exactly. Race, yeah, you've you know got to. You've got to. 
focus on what you can control and not what's out of your control. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Cray. The other issue that I would include is the use of the traction compound, especially at the SMI tracks, and this year at Michigan ISM and Pocono. Uh, it worked well at certain tracks. Bristol, it worked well at New Hampshire. It worked very well at Kentucky. It did not work well at Michigan or ISM or Texas because where they put it is not where the cars are actually running. Uh, the track owners or, and promoters, for that matter, the track president, whoever it is that's deciding where to put the traction compound, the drivers even complained about this. If you're going to use it, put it where they can run in it so that way they can actually activate it so that way it can actually be used and improve the racing. That's why at Texas we had so many cautions the first stage in the playoffs because it was up in a groove where no one's running. As soon as somebody hit it, they looped around and into the wall. Now, you would think somebody would have put more thought into that you know, before they – I mean, that's a no-brainer, put the stuff on the racing line. I mean, was this a mistake on somebody's part, or was it by, or was it by design? Were they trying to change the racing line, or, or what it, were they? What was their was, whole thought process it was behind by, doing that? It was by design to try to expand the racing line. The problem is the traction compound has to be heated up and activated, which the best way to do that is for the cars to run in it. Otherwise, they're going to have to sit there with leaf blowers or something before the race trying to activate it, which I I don't see that happening anytime soon. What if they just put it on the whole track? They they most certainly could, whether or not they want to or whether the cost of that is too much, I don't entirely know. Yeah, I was wondering if it was cost prohibitive uh, or whatnot, but yeah, but it, it only makes sense I, to put it on the racing line, yeah, so... At Bristol, at Kentucky, at Charlotte, uh, and a handful of other tracks, New Hampshire, they put it in the racing line and on the outside and inside the racing line, and it works beautifully there. Michigan, uh, they complained it was about 40 feet too high, that no one was going to run up there. At Texas, it was right on the edge of the racing line that if you hit it with just the right side tires or if you try to activate it yourself, before anybody else went up there, uh, Chase Elliott went around, Joey, uh, Jimmy Johnson went around, Brad Keselowski, Denny Hamlin, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. I mean, I can keep going with the number of drivers that wrecked as a result of the traction compound. So I would imagine for the coming year we'll see a little more discretion with the use of that or you know, put it in the right place, I would hope. I would say put it in the right place or – maybe a better mixture, as they call it, because at some tracks they use what they called a 20 or 30% mixture, while other tracks they were using between a 60 and an 80% mixture. So I think maybe at some tracks it was a little too saturated as well. Well, again, it's just they'll, they'll learn as they go. I, I, imagine, I imagine they won't repeat the same mistake. Now, Richard, let's uh, let's talk about Formula One a little more, and let's talk about the the 
middle and back half of the grid. Um, we've seen some mm-hmm. pretty good performances out of, say, uh, McLaren seems to be um, kind of find find their way. Uh, yep. Toro Rosso, who was uh, uh, they had them a podium here uh, very recently, and um, yeah. But Haas seems to have moved backwards. Huh? So let's talk about some of those teams there. See who you, who you see moving up. Who you see, you know, and then of course Williams is Williams. So, but to let's let's talk about yeah. what we might expect. If I mean, if anybody can challenge for fourth place. Yeah, I mean, I think if you take away the top three teams, it's a fantastic series, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, the battles and the racing is, is fantastic back back down the pack there. Um, I mean, I think McLaren, you know, were probably best of the rest in terms of outright performance this year. They really progressed well, and uh, some of the changes they've been making and some of the changes they're going through are certainly starting to bear fruit there. Um you know, the, the likes of, of Toro Rosso, again, on their day were competitive, and Renault on their day were competitive, and, and even the likes of um, Force in, uh, sorry, Racing Point and Sauber, or Alfa Moreo, sorry, had their day when they could compete. Um, you know, Williams were, unfortunately, pretty well cemented at the back of the grid all season. And you mentioned the Haas team there. They had a, str- they had a funny season, really. They... They were very much a victim of, of, of apparently, you know, on the face of things, the tyre um, warming issues. They could never get their tyres into the correct window, for uh, want of a, a better phrase. And um, it really hampered them. You know, they could be um, quick on a weekend, uh, you know, on Friday, Saturday, and qualify well. And then in the race, they'd just be like, they'd be like two seconds off the pace. And it's like, oh, where did that come from? You know, they they really, really struggled with that, unfortunately. Uh, do you think um, the Haas team... So obviously, a lot of work needs to be done there. A lot of, you know... Um, I think it's one of the challenges that Haas is starting to see now. Do you think, the, Richard, do you think that the, the whole saga with rich energy had an effect yeah. on the Haas team? I mean, was there fund, funding that was there yeah. and then not there, or, or was it a, a distraction? No, or? I, I think it's a fundamental it's a fundamental design issue with the car that would have been uh, around from the you know the moment that they started to lay that uh, lay the designs of that car down. Um, you know, over a year ago now. Um, so, uh, no, I, I, I don't think the rich energy thing had a, a negative impact on this season for now potentially next season will be interesting to see where their finances come from and how much money they have to to um invest in the 2020 car because obviously they you know a lot of the 2020 development has been done now if they were short on money where does that leave them um but i, I think maybe what it does highlight potentially is one of the difficulties that has has in the business model. So Has F1 basically has three bases. They have uh, Kannapolis in North Carolina in the US where their marketing and operations, um, oh, sorry, no, their marketing and finance group is based out of. Then they have uh, the facility at Banbury in the UK, which is Mauritius' old uh, factory. That's their operations base where the cars are actually built and the race team operate out of. Then they have a facility in, in Italy where the design and the aero work is done. 
and trying to sync all three of those uh, components together is undoubtedly going to be a challenge for them. And, you know, there's always going to be compromise there one way or another. So whether in, in the future, I don't know what their plan is, if they look to bring, you know, the, the UK and the Italian um, branches uh, of the organisation together, I think that's something they've seriously got to look at doing. But, um, you know, they're not a million miles away. You know, fundamentally, they do not have, have a bad... They just can't, you know, as I say, it's getting the t- that, that horrible, silly concept of getting the tyres in the operating window. Um, and it's almost like, you know, you look back, I think it was 2012 when seven different drivers won the first seven races. The tyres then had such a small window to operate in it was difficult for the teams to get hit that sweet spot. And it was almost like pot luck every weekend for the first few races. You know, Haas are almost struggling with the same issue, but they're the only ones struggling with it, uh, which is which is a shame. Because I think in Magnus and Grosjean, they've got two pretty competent drivers who probably deserve to be battling a little bit higher up the grid than they are. Now, are they are both those guys signed for next year? Yes. And they've yes. got... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fin, so Fin, I think Fin, there's Fin actually Pauli, only... Their reserve driver, correct? Yeah, there's only two or three drivers that are actually moving next year and changing. Uh, obviously, Ocon replacing Hulkenberg at Renault. Um, Latifi, uh, yeah, Latifi coming into um, Williams to replace Robert um, yeah. Kubica. And I'm going to say that's it. Yeah, I can't think of any other driver changes for next year. So it's all very, very, very stable. Yeah, it should be, should be status quo next year, not a whole lot of wholesale changes. Now, what do you make of these news stories that uh, Lewis Hamilton is talking to Ferrari and um, <laughs> Mercedes doesn't mind if he talks to Ferrari? Well, I think they're talking to everybody, aren't they? Every driver every driver at some point in their career talks to another team and, uh, you know, everybody... I'm sure every driver at some point has talked to Ferrari and had a good old chat and, uh, you know, say, hey, how much do you want for me to come drive for you? You know, what the cost? All this sort of stuff. Um, I, I, I generally don't think there's anything to it, really. I can't um, see Hamilton leaving the situation he's in. No. No. Um, but, you know, you never say never. You you, know, you After everything he went through with McLaren, you never thought he'd have left McLaren. No, this is but, true, yeah. This is true. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, you know, obviously it'll give everybody a lot to talk about next year going into into 2021. But um, yeah, we need to get 2020 sorted out first. Yeah. So let's talk about McLaren for a second and segue to their their IndyCar program. Do you feel like the, um, the their Formula One program seems to be on the rise? They've definitely uh, yeah. a, a big step up from where they were, you know, a year ago. Um, do, do you feel like this? Yeah. Um, Adding the IndyCar program, even though they're they're taking over an existing operation, is going to stretch them thin and hurt the Formula One at all? Or do you feel like it's uh, uh, they're going to operate as two separate entities and, and the, the Formula One will continue to improve? Yeah, I think they'll be. Uh, I think they'll operate as, as as two separate entities. There, really, I can't see there being too much of a conflict of interest. Um, I think that the move to back to Mercedes is, is is an interesting one, which I think comes into effect in 2021. I think they've got another year with with Renault, um, so that's going to be an interesting sort of play and how that all pans out. But um, it's sort of you know turning you know about turn after 
five or six years in the wilderness, you know, running around with different engine manufacturers and uh, and the like. You know, the, the only team they haven't really tried will be Ferrari. Um, so uh, I think that the, the team like McLaren, with its history and the resources and the engineers it has available to them, they again, it's, it's like one of these things. They will be successful and they will make a good go of it, and they will be able to go out there and produce a winning car and, and produce um, you know, a, a competent effort that will certainly start to push the likes of, of Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes. And that's what the sport wants. You know, the sport wants somebody to step up and you know, um, to, to compete with these teams and, and give them a run for their money. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it, you know, you need to see it. It needs to happen. You know, we need to see a bit of a, a change from the monotony of the, the current leading pack. Certainly, yeah. So now on the IndyCar side, then, so McLaren is, is full in on IndyCar. They're, you know, Arrow McLaren with Schmidt-Peterson. They've, you know, demoted poor old uh, <laughs> Sam and Rick to with, you know, also featuring, yeah, co-starring, yep. uh, however you want to call it. But, uh so uh, now the interesting thing is I'm I'm kind of up in the air and as to how well they'll do next year because um, number one everybody seems to want them to fail, um, and and that's and that's coming yes. from oh number one that the way they treated Hinchcliffe Hinchcliffe is a fan favorite so that's kind of left a sour taste yeah. in everybody's mouth that they kind of you know bumped Hinch out of the seat they didn't actually let him go they said you can still have a job and and earn your half a million dollar a year salary uh, by hanging out in the hospitality, shaking hands and posing for pictures with people, um, which obviously it's a, it's a cushy gig for a half a million dollars, but it's not what he wants to do. Race racers yeah, want to race. I'd, I'd need you know? So I'd, I'd need 750,000 to do yes, that. Okay. Right. So, um, but then, then again, that, you know, the guys, the guys <laughs> they do have Oliver Askew and um, Pat Award are two really talented young guys. But both, but both rookies, yeah. both rookies. Um, so yeah. I, I don't know how that plays out. They've got Gil DeFerrin on board, and, and Gil is uh, he was a fantastic driver during his day. Um, he's a great, great businessman as well. Uh, so hopefully, him there as a driver's coach kind of maybe smooths out some of the, the rookie mistakes. But I can't, I can't see them competing at a high level right off the bat. Um, but but it I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that one one of these guys or both of these guys actually wins a race because you know number one we know the uh, the field in IndyCar is very deep uh, and the, the cars are very closely matched you know we've seen how many times we've we seen uh, qualified times where the the pole to last place is less than a second. Um, so, oh, and, yeah. you know, with some of these fuel strategies and, and odd yellow flags, it's not out of the possibility that these guys can really run well, but it's just, it's, it's a bit disappointing that so many people want to see them fail because of, oh, number one, everybody had a good laugh when, uh, Alonso got bumped. Um, you know, and number two, just the way they came in. And I think there's a perceived arrogance uh, with McLaren coming in, but, but for me, um, I think McLaren is one of the, uh, the greatest marks in racing. You know, their their history, you know, goes goes back to Bruce, you know, in, in the 60s. And, and oh, for sure. It, it all, all traces back there. And, you know, McLaren has a, a, a strong uh, record at the Indy 500, you know, back in the days when Johnny Rutherford was running the McLaren. And, the, you know, the McLaren, well, I think it was with the M18, was one of the preferred chassis you have there. 
then, of course, their record in Formula One is in, in, impeccable. Uh, so I think it's great that McLaren's coming in, and I just I, I hope they can you know work through all the distraction uh, that everybody wants them to fail and and kind of kind of prove them wrong. But then again, you know, uh, Zach Brown is not Ron Dennis, and he's certainly not Bruce McLaren. So it's it's kind of not the same McLaren, but but still that name for me uh, I hold in a lot of reverence. Right now, Gray. Gray, you've watched oh, yeah. racing a long time. What are your What are your thoughts on McLaren coming back to Indy? And McLaren has has had their hands in a lot of things in racing. Well, yeah, I think to, that uh, the future of uh, of IndyCar racing is going is going to like like NASCAR too is going to have to evolve by having uh, more manufacturers uh, take part in it. I mean, it's it's going to you know it's been relegated to somewhat of a spec series on both fronts now, you know, with the cars being typically the same. It, it, so there's really nothing uh, nothing out there to get more fans involved in it. I think the more the more manufacturers and, and more, uh, uh, the more, you know, spice there is in, into the sport will, will, will help it grow. And that's it's going to have to grow in those regards. And that's going to bring more fans back into it, I believe. If you get... Uh, uh, you know, McLaren coming come in, and and possibly uh, you know another another engine manufacturer coming into IndyCar as well will will be good for the overall health of the sport. Yeah, I just said the whole another engine manufacturer. We've been talking about this for a while, and and, and the fact that we're still using a basic internal combustion engine with a with a Kerr system on it. Um, I, I don't know how much that appeals to. Somebody, I don't, know, I don't know who that might be, but I, I do believe strongly that the guy to help make that deal happen is Roger Penske, because who wouldn't want to do business with Roger Penske? And I think that, you know, going back to him purchasing the Speedway in the series, I think that's just going to benefit big time uh, all the teams, because there's going to be, I feel like there's going to be more, biz, you know, more sponsors more manufacturers more folks wanting to come in to the sport uh, because i believe what roger brings to the table is is incredible and I, I i firmly believe that there are just some bright times ahead the indycar series has been on the rise uh the ratings are up now we've still got some you know issues with uh drivers losing the rise at the back end of the grid but i but i think overall um penske taking this over is going to do wonders for the health of the sport. You know, and, that, and that's the thing about, and that's the thing about Roger. You know, he, he's got a lot of clout, and when when he talks, people listen. And he also has the ability to bring people together. You know, he can uh, uh, he can he can sit down with his his management team, and 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 they can they can look at all different sides, and and uh, actually. Uh, uh, bring uh, bring proposals and, and bring new ideas to market that uh, a lot of other people just you know coming from someone else nobody would really pay attention to but because of Rogers you know his uh, his catalog of success I mean you, you gotta you gotta respect what he's done in 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 in, in everything he's touched. Oh certainly, I was talking to uh, Chuck Sprague who was. Um you know, worked with Roger for years and years. And um, he told me that Roger won't propose a deal 
unless it benefits both parties. And that's why people like doing business with Roger. So he's going to figure out or he's going to let you know how you're going to benefit from this deal. And if you look at some of the things he's put together, I mean, you know, they're all very good business to business deals. You know, you see Fitzgerald glider kits on on the NASCAR cars and Indy cars sometimes. Right. Well, guess what? Uh, you know, Penske trucking where they get their trucks, Fitzgerald glider kits, you know, so it's. It's all it's all a very very nice and mutual uh, business deal that, that Penske does, and it's it's a very successful business business model. Well, yeah. so it's a win win. I mean, you know, when yep. you put something yep. together, it's win win. I mean, basically, you get people excited, they get on board because uh, you know if 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 a deal's one sided, it's going to go south. You might you might see you know. Uh, See a little bit of success at the front end, but it, but but for long for long enduring success success, both parties have got to be happy. Certainly. Now, Seth, let's talk about Chip Ganassi a little bit. So so Chip Chip owns teams in NASCAR and IndyCar, and now he's recently um, announced that he's uh, going to. Uh, you know, the, we we knew the IMSA deal was coming to an end. He's not going to compete at IMSA at all. Uh, next year, so he's added one IndyCar team. Uh, do you feel like maybe some of them IMSA resources will come over to the the NASCAR side at all? Are you hearing anything? They honestly could. Whether or not that happens, I don't know. Uh, the only reason why is IMSA is so different from NASCAR as of right now. That being said, with some of what is being proposed for the next gen car, uh, the version that uh, Richard Childress Racing recently built, uh, that Austin Dillon tested and Joey Logano will test next weekend at ISM, uh, has some elements of an IMSA car on it. So they could honestly be shifted over to NASCAR, not for the 2020 season, but maybe to start work on 2021. No, I, I'm talking strictly of human resources. I mean, uh, now, now, Richard, you might be able to, uh, to to answer this. You know, so you've worked on Formula One cars and NASCARs, and you've and you've had your hands on sports cars. So, um, you know, Chip's got, he's got a few displaced people. He's moved a bunch to the IndyCar team but uh do you feel like he'll be able to keep everybody everybody gainfully employed it's difficult um i, I have to say no as, as much as we'd like to uh think that that's the case you know um it's it's a pretty harsh reality of the sport these days that um people are um are pretty expendable and uh yeah i'm sure he'd like to keep you know people there and keep people employed, but um, if it's uh, if it's not possible, they'll be will be cut loose, unfortunately. So now, Richard, back to Formula One. Now we've got a is it two new venues this year? Uh, or this, uh, come, this well, coming year rather? One new one and one refurbished. Yeah, Vietnam one. and then um, Zandvoort. Now they've they've been showing some pictures of they're putting some banking um, in, in Zandvoort. Yeah. So um, I mean, what are your thoughts on? Uh, I mean, that that's a you know, one of the classic tracks that's, uh, you know, from from the classic era. So um, how excited are you to see that come back? Oh, it'll be good. You know, it'll be good as long as they don't, um, what's the word? Um, Tilkerize it. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
you know, and, and sort of almost like I, I like to use the word neuter the track, uh, you know, with these huge asphalt r- runoff areas. As long as I try and keep some of the character and the intimacy of these uh, older tracks, I think that's to be encouraged, really. Um, yeah, banking is always a little bit sketchy. I mean, Formula One doesn't have exactly have a great history with banking, does it now? Uh, no, uh, that's Wolfgang von <laughs> Trips. Yeah. Um, so uh, we'll, you know, see how that goes. But uh, that'll be good. It'll be good to see, and uh, hopefully it'll, um, you know, it, it'll work. I'm sure for the Verstappen fan base, it'll be a huge draw, and the the, the circuit will be covered in, you know, sea of orange caps. Oh, and certainly. We'll, and, uh, we see that now. At, uh, at, Red uh, Bull uh, is Hungary. Hungary and Belgium, uh, Belgium, yeah, Belgium, you know, they, yeah, they, yeah. You know, Red Bull will be going to town on that way, that race weekend for sure. Um, but uh, you know, it'll be good to see back, and and then heading out to um, uh, Vietnam will be a, a, an interesting venture. Yeah, um, I, I find that Vietnam is an odd choice um, yeah. because you think of yeah, a lot of a lot of the new. Uh, the newer Grand Prix have been been added in these these oil rich countries, you know, Abu Dhabi and Bahrain and Azerbaijan. Um, I, I never think of Vietnam as a particularly uh, rich country, but 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 I've not I've not no. been there, so uh, you know, hopefully, as you say, but it's almost in the same you know breath as Azerbaijan when that was first muted. Everyone's like, what the hell are we going there for? You know, whose bright idea was that? And you know what, it was. You know, it's a pretty good race. It is. It, it yeah. actually is. Yeah, that's. I enjoy that one quite a bit. So, uh, we we can't judge. judge uh, easy for me to say, judge a book by its cover uh, without really giving them an opportunity to, um, you know, to to, to put on a good show there. So, um, you know, it's still a shame. You know, I did hear this week that. Um, Paul Ricard is looking to to um, change some of the paint on their asphalt to to sort of realign the track uh, to sort of hypnotise people with a slightly different um, <laughs> different combination of uh, of um, you know, blue and red and white zigzag lines everywhere. Um, so who who knows what's uh, what's going to happen there? But yeah, Paul Ricard was pretty dire that race. You know, we, uh, that was a, that was another Hamilton snooze fest. Um, so hopefully they'll do something to to up the ante and improve their show there, because otherwise it's like really, we don't want to be doing this again. It's pretty poor. Now NASCAR schedule next year looks quite a bit different. We we've got the doubleheader at Pocono. We're moving the the finale to Phoenix. Um, what do you got? What do you guys think about moving that finale to Phoenix? Well, I think that's been in works for a couple of years now. The people have wanted to see it rotate. Uh, uh, Go rotate around. I think uh, I think we'll see that in the future. It'll it'll be at one venue for a couple of three years and move move to another just to kind of uh, spice up the season and and maybe the uh, uh, championship uh, itself. You know the final the final several races of the season kind of kind of gets kind of stagnant sometimes. And so if you can spice it up a little bit. Uh, uh, I think it'll. I think it'll help uh, create some. Yeah, issues. but here's my question. So, you know, Homestead is kind of a just a very bland track, right? So it sort of levels the playing field when we're talking to you know you got four guys going mm-hmm. in, 
and it almost gives them all equal chance. Phoenix is a little different. There, there are guys that are better at Phoenix, and there are guys that struggle at Phoenix. So do you feel like this maybe gives an undue advantage to a particular driver, or or is it still fairly level? You're not talking about Kevin Harvick. Well, no, no, I'm just no, just in, in general, some guys things. run better at, at the shorters, you know, than than the, the, the one that. You have to take a couple different things into uh, account. For one, say Kevin Harvick or Kyle Busch, who have owned Phoenix in recent years, there's no guarantee they're going to make it to Phoenix in the championship four. For one thing. True. Uh, for another. We don't know what the package is going to be as of yet for a track like Phoenix or the short tracks, let alone road courses next year, after somewhat dismal results uh, this past year, the outlier being Bristol. Uh, But the point is, there's a lot of unknowns for Phoenix for next year. I'm optimistic that the package will improve. That being said, again, it depends on who is in that championship four, because you also have to realize Bristol is in the playoffs for the first time. Darlington is in the playoffs for the first right, time. Right, but, so but we have Phoenix, really Phoenix, Phoenix is the winner take all. That's that's the yeah, being in the playoffs yes. is one thing. Being the you know, not that I not that I'm opposed to the idea. I mean, but if they made the last race of the year, say, a uh, uh, Bristol-Martinsville or a Watkins-Glen, it, it could definitely slide the uh, chances towards one driver over another. Uh, and, and Phoenix well, falls kind of in that category because it's just, it's a bit of a different little track. Walking it backwards a little bit to the, pro, the rounds before that, if we're going by tracks that certain drivers are good at, Say Chase Elliott wins the Roval, and he's able to make it into Phoenix. Yes, he's good there, but he's never actually won there. Uh, Darlington, Kevin Harvick, and Kyle Busch typically don't run well there, but Denny Hamlin does. Uh, so you taking that same argument and applying it to different tracks in the playoffs, you can almost predict who the Final Four might be, or the Championship Four, I should say, and I don't see Kyle Busch or Kevin Harvick making it. No, that's not my... No, that's oh, not I was going to say, yeah, it's almost time for bold predictions, but not quite. Yeah, we got a, just a couple minutes left, but uh, yeah. So, but you tried to say that last year, Seth. I'm not doing that All right. this year. I have some different... So, so Gray, what, what, what kind of... And any other topics you want to discuss... Before we move on to doing predictions, I want to give everybody just some some time to just chat about what's on their mind. No, I'm glad we did pick up on the on on the schedule to kind of change it up. And I think you know uh, we're we're in different times now than what we what we used to be. With the the the, uh, the fan base is changing for for not only NASCAR but for motorsports in general. And I think we're going to see uh, you know all the different sanctioning bodies are going to uh, start looking at ways to improve their product and, and bring more people into the fold. Uh, you know, NASCAR is front and center with some of the things that they're doing. I think we'll see uh, we'll see IndyCar follow suit. They'll do some things to, to kind of uh, increase in attendance 
at the track and 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 get more share uh, uh, on TV broadcast as well. So uh, yeah, it's 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 going to be another year of of people uh, trying different things and and, and kind of listening to the fans to see what uh, see what they want, and we'll just see where it, where it goes from there. Of course, NASCAR's already come out and uh, you know with their with their plans for next year we're changing the schedule up and then obviously they you know working on the new car for for uh 2021 i think like you said we just have to wait and see what any car does whether they're going to kind of begin to kind of uh shake things up a little bit or kind of kind of you know just kind of hold serve and and see where uh 2020 goes with uh with their stuff All right good stuff now uh, Richard, any topic you want to touch on before we move to bold predictions? No, I think we're uh, I think we're doing pretty good tonight. It's been a it's been a good uh, good review of the year, and uh, let's see if we can work out what's going to happen next year. All right, now Seth, anything before we move to bold predictions? Not not particularly. No, not. Well, then, with that being said, Seth, what is your bold prediction for 2020? I actually have two, one NASCAR related, one okay, IndyCar related. Okay, you can have two. <laughs> the NASCAR related one, I'm going to say that Matthew Vendetta wins his first race uh, with the Wood Brothers getting them their 100th win. And I'm going to say that happens at the Brickyard. Okay. Wow. Uh, as far as IndyCar... It's also Indianapolis-related. I'm going to say a Team Penske car is bumped from the Indy 500. Okay. It's happened before. It happened in 95. Both Penske cars got bumped. But, yeah, that could certainly happen. That's bold, though. That's bold. That's, 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 that's really bold. bold. Yeah, well, I'll talk to you in a year. Well, <laughs> I'll talk to you in May. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, oh, oh. I, I just like making... Bold predictions, uh, and they never. Yeah, I was gonna happen, say but, yeah, but if it hey, does, look like a genius. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I mean, look at me. I've, I've nailed two in the last couple of years. I said Takuma Sato would win Indy, and I said that uh, Lonzo would be bumped. So yeah, you got to go for the bold. And when it happens, you look like a genius, though. Seth, I don't hope you look like a genius because I'd hate to see a Penske guy get bumped because I like all those guys. But Gray, what's your what's your bold prediction for 2020? Uh, I don't know if that, how bold it'll be, but I'm going to say that uh, Kyle Busch repeats as uh, uh, champion. He'll be the first repeat winner we've had in a, in, in a while. I think uh, I think he's, uh, you know, we, we talked uh, last week when we were, you know, uh, wrapping up the season a week or so ago when Kyle, after Kyle won the championship. I think Kyle's really entering his, his in, in the prime of his career. Uh, I think we're going to see him uh, – uh, Really uh, take charge next year, and uh, and I think he's going to have a uh, terrific year. I, I'm going to say he's probably going to win uh, eight races and uh, and repeat his champion. All right, yeah, that's not incredibly bold, but we haven't had a repeat champion since Jimmy was racking him up. Uh, you know, right. oh, gosh, almost exactly. almost two decades ago, almost two decades ago. So, yeah. All right, Richard, for you, your bold prediction for next year. Oh, let's see what we can come up with. I think we'll, we'll come up with a couple here. Uh, Formula One, um, I'm going to say that, that uh, Leclerc wins the championship. 
Ferrari are going to come up with a good car, and I think Claire's going to do the business. I think Vitello leave Ferrari at the end of the year. And ooh, what else? Hmm. We'll leave it. I think Lando Norris will become the star driver of next year. I think he'll really uh, turn it up, and um, you know, put the, he'll be the one that can break out of that midfield pack and, and push the top two, top three teams. On the NASCAR side, I think that Taylor Reddick's going to beat Austin Dillon throughout the season. I think uh, he, that kid's the real deal, and I think he's going to upstage uh, one of the grandkids there uh, at RCR. And on the IndyCar side, what have we got going on there? I think Award wins a race. Okay, so you've got four predictions. There you go. Hey, the more predictions I make, the more likely one's going to go through. <laughs> you get a one in four shot, so... Well, I'm just I'm just going to stick to the rules. I'm just going to make one bold prediction. And my bold prediction is this. The Red Bull Technology aero screen on the IndyCar is put to the test, and it actually saves somebody's life next year, and then people will shut up about how ugly it looks. You know they will not. Okay. You know they will. Okay. You know they will. <laughs> but... Uh, I, I think it'll I, I think there's gonna be an incident where it yeah. actually is put to the test and saves a life and then whether or not people shut up about it I don't know but uh, um, that's that's it that's my bold prediction and um, gosh guys it's been a it's been an interesting 2019 um, I, I want to wish everybody you know uh, happy holidays um, and a joyous new year. As uh, we'll go on hiatus for a while. So I want to thank you, Seth and Gray. I want to thank you, Richard. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank um, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Google Podcast, and all those other folks that uh, host us. But most of all, I want to thank you folks that listen to us um, week in and week out. We'll, uh, we'll be off for uh, oh, a small hiatus. We'll join you shortly before the Daytona 500 in 2020 and, and have a whole new slew of race news for you then. Uh, Till then, take care. Good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.